and welcome to the 61st episode of Total Pop Mode, your weekly comedy gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, aka Mr. Bames. What's going on, you worryingly wonderful woodchucks? And continuing his appearance from last time, I'd like to welcome Donny. Come in, Donny! Why'd you keep making him way outside, man? No reason, but he doesn't seem to mind. Alright, Donny. Looking very fetching this evening. Come on, man. We've been over this. He doesn't like being spoken to. Oh, sh- yeah. Sorry, man. I still haven't gotten used to that. It is a little weird, you know? Yeah. Each to their own, I guess. Anyway, over the last week, I've discovered that not only does Donny offer protection from miscellaneous magic-powered beings, he also does physical therapy things on the side as well. Oh, jeez. I think we are about to find out what you meant last week by and stuff. Well, he does things like surprise back massages and stuff. Surprise back massages? And I've got to say, I've never felt looser, man. Check this out. Oh my god, man! What the f*** happened to your back? It looks like someone beat you with a hammer! Yeah, a therapy hammer. I suppose you haven't heard of those. Look, he even does impromptu foot spas. Impromptu foot spas? Looking fresh. God damn, man. Why don't you have any toes? They're just all burnt nubbins in there. I'll admit, it was a little painful at first. But I've kind of grown to like it, actually. It's more aerodynamic. And I've gone down three whole shoe sizes. I can finally wear what I want without those hideous clown feet. Well, uh, congratulations, I guess. You now have tiny, petite, hideous, mangled, burnt feet instead. And when it's done... Donnie actually finishes the session off with a reverse hot towel on the face. Reverse hot towel? Although, uh, I can't do too many of those. They get a little intense. Okay, man, you're going to have to explain this to me. How could a hot towel on the face be intense? (laughs) Well, like I said, it's a reverse hot towel. So it's in fact just a cold towel over my face and... Donny just splashes me with water. Oh, right. So it's intense on account of... Not being able to breathe. Not being able to breathe. There it is. Well, I've got to say, man, that sounds a whole lot like waterboarding. It also sounds like you seriously need some help. <laughs> no way, man. Me and Donny are still all good. Right, Donny? Oh, man, if looks could kill. You forget he doesn't like being spoken to? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's definitely going to cost me another little spa session later tonight. So you know it's a punishment? No! Well, yeah. Can we just move on? I don't like the way Donny's looking at me. Yeah, man, whatever you say. Let's move on. We're already behind schedule here. Coming up this episode, we've got our weekly regular games catch-up, followed by the weekly gaming news, where we talk more resignations and cybersecurity issues in the world of gaming. Not again. And we finish the news with a much-needed Mortal Kombat update. At the end of the episode, we reach the game's challenge, where this week I took on the challenge set by James. But before all of that, let's roll out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pop Mode, or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. Okay, man, it's time to crack on with the catch up. 
What have you been playing this week? Take a wild, wild guess. Yeah, it wouldn't be Wolong, would it? No, it actually wouldn't. No. Oh, it wouldn't be uh, Dark Souls? No, it wouldn't. No? What the hell, man? Uh, am you're, I getting you're, warmer? You're terrible at this game. <laughs> it has to be Lies of P, then. Why'd you go to Dark Souls? Like, <laughs> I love Dark Souls, but not for now, anyway. Maybe, maybe soon. But. There you go. Well, that's exactly why I went for Dark Souls. I feel like that's always one that you're kind of on the uh, on the brink of busting out again. Well, Lords of the Fallen is out, well, now at the time of, you're probably listening to it, but uh, the time of recording it's out tomorrow. So that's probably next on the list. Right. Fair enough. Um, and as a result, if I want to 100% Lies of P, I kind of need to get cracking. Ringing out the last few achievements before you move on. Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, if I'm going to have the best chance of doing it, I need my timing to be in, which it is at the moment. So yeah, just cracked on with that. Um, I finished my second playthrough, my advanced one. That was really fun in the end. The second ending that I got was a lot more like demoralizing than the first ending I got. All right, okay. Yeah. Is it considered the kind of better ending or was that the bad ending? Is, is that kind of agreed upon as the bad ending? I think I got the bad ending. Right, fair I, enough. I, okay. I can say this without spoiling it, that, that I got the ending where I stayed more puppet than human. Like That was the play style. Which, ironically, is the honesty playthrough. So Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, it says yeah. a lot about humans, right? <laughs> this game kind of explores that whole thing about the, the fact that lying in and of itself is a human trait. Yeah, and uh, the good ending is the lie ending. Right. Go yeah. figure. Turning towards so, humanity and lying your ass off. Yeah, I think it's also because white lies are sort of used in this game to sort of make people feel good. Okay, right, okay, yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, whether that's a look on wider society or not, I don't know. But the simple fact is, I just really f***ing love this game. Did you notice the focus on elements and the weapons? Did you find that that actually paid off uh, in comparison to your first playthrough? I know that you were kind of taking it down a more elemental path this time. Did that make it easier? Did it make it harder? It made it easier in the sense of you can proc enemies with element effects a lot more often. But probably harder in terms of raw damage. Yeah, okay, okay. Raw damage, physical weapons that you can scale a lot better with technique or motivity are better. But on the whole, the elemental weapons are very usable and a lot more fun in my opinion. Which is why that as soon as I finished that playthrough, I started my New Game Plus run again. Okay, okay. And I actually started specking into advance in that one so that I can do a hybrid of the two play styles. Sure thing. And I, it's very fun. I'm about two thirds of the way through the game, very close to finishing that. And that will get me the last ending I need and hopefully will get me the last achievement where I just need to collect a load of gold records. I think I've got most of them. So really enjoying it. Can't recommend this game enough to any Souls-like fans out there, any Sekiro fans. It's wicked. And I'm hoping that I get as much enjoyment out of Lords of the Fallen when I play that because I have high hopes for that game as well but uh, it's got a huge task to beat how I feel about this game big boost to fill exactly I've seen the marketing for Lords of the Fallen ramping up quite a bit now significantly it's kind of it's pumping me a, like a three or four minute gameplay uh, video every time between every couple of YouTube videos yeah yeah they're really kind of ramping it up now it's got me a little intrigued myself I'm much more keen on playing uh, Liza P I think uh, in advance of Lords of the Fallen it just looks like it appeals to me much more generally as well. Yeah, Lords of the Fallen's got some cool mechanics in it. I think the whole world of the living, world of the dead mechanic that you can swap between to sort of do different platforming elements and also to revive yourself in a special way. I think that's really cool. I, I hope it's a bit more of a challenge than the original Lords of the Fallen that I played recently, which I think it's going to be. I can't wait to play it, but I kind of agree. I am, As I've said, it's going to struggle to beat Lies appear in my eyes. And I think knowing your preferences with playstyle and things like that, I know how much you love Bloodborne like I do. Lies of P is more Bloodborne and I feel like Lords of the Fallen looks to me like it's more Dark Souls, which isn't a bad thing. 
Yeah, it's it's taking that more classic fantasy approach rather than kind of Lovecraftian horror. Exactly, and in playstyle too. Like yeah. Bloodborne is just the best for it, the quick, aggressive style of play. And Liza P does it incredibly well with elements of Sekiro. So what's not to love? That is all I've played though, man. This week, um, just uh, still spinning on it, as you'd say. Um, but have <laughs> spinning, I- spinning, twisting. Exactly. Bop it. That Pinocchio nose is glazed at this point. It's buffed to a mirror sheen. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, but with that lovely image in the listeners' uh, ears now, uh, that's me done for my catch-up. How about you? What have you been playing this week? Um, so this week I'm going to keep it short. I have played quite a number of different games. I've been kind of really hopping around. But the main one that I want to focus on talking about is Resident Evil 4. I think it was kind of the challenge kind of spurred me on. And I was thinking, do you know what? I'm really enjoying playing Resident Evil again. I really want to kind of get back in and play some of the other titles. And I almost jumped back into uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake. And I almost actually, for the first time tried out resident evil 3 remake but i figured no i have to go back and do resident evil 4 first before i start any more playthroughs as well i've got the challenge running and i've got resident evil 4 remake running that's enough resident evil playthroughs for one week at least i think that's probably a wise decision given that it's taking you a very long time to finish that game it has it's taken me an inordinate amount of time to finish this game have you finished it then that that sounds like you may have finished it then no i haven't no 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 i, I still haven't uh still haven't finished it. that was probably a little bit misleading but i did finish the castle section of the game which is what i would consider the kind of the second third of the game and the kind of the last third of the game being the island during that castle finish um i really like the fact that they built lewis into uh, a few additional sections of the game so rather than just kind of bumping into him during the castle you actually play through a few difficult rooms that in the original you had to do on your own now you actually play through those rooms with the help of lewis so you can count on his help get ammunition, restocks and things like that from him while you're shooting all the different monsters. And it works well, I think, because he, uh, you know, as people know, he does die. He gets killed by Salazar uh, during that castle section. And it kind of just comes out the blue. You see him, he appears, and then he gets stabbed in the chest, whereas this kind of made a bit more sense. You had a bit more of a concept of them developing some sort of relationship or at least some sort of uh like getting along with each other like a rapport with each other before he suddenly gets whacked so yeah it makes a lot of sense and um those sections were really enjoyable and they worked well with a massive increase to the amount of enemies in the area nice nice and i also did a couple of boss fights actually a few boss fights um we'll start with krauser but uh you don't actually do that krauser fight proper until you get to the island yeah but you might remember that there is a qte section yeah in a dark room at a certain point yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly that so now you actually do that as a proper knife fight in the game that's countering good. with your knife swinging your knife evading his attacks with like backflips and fancy you know kind of rolls and avoids that leon can do now thanks to his military training good on you leon and it it works really well that was a really fun section yeah that sounds more fun than a qte yeah oh yeah much more especially given how much you've like said uh that the parry mechanics so much better in this must have been really satisfying to use the fact that it exists in the first place there was no parry mechanic in the previous one it was just very much a knife that you pull out and swish and stab (laughs) That there was no uh, no way to like block enemy attacks. That whole thing is completely new to the remake, and it's added a completely new level of combat to the game. It even works on certain bosses and tougher enemies as well. It isn't just the villagers you can parry. Um, I think you're probably aware that you can parry the chainsaw. 
But you can also parry certain spiky attacks from even bosses like uh, the Chief that we talked about when I started off the playthrough of the game as well. Another one of the bosses I wanted to talk about was Verdugo, which is the kind of predator resembling boss. He has a like a, a human face that resembles the predator, but then he has a body that resembles one of the xenomorphs from Alien. It's kind of like a, a mishmash of those two. And this is the enemy that stalks you down in the corridor in the original and you need to knock over uh, nitrogen containers or they might actually be exploded. No, they were nitrogen containers in the original. Uh, you'd freeze him and deal a bunch of damage to him and you're waiting for an elevator to arrive yeah and you can just run away from him can't you just run around all the tunnels you can do a fairly similar thing in the remake as well i think even in the original it will occasionally make you press the evade button uh, to avoid some of his attacks because he has bits where like his tail will shoot out of the ground or the ceiling and it will kind of swing around so unless you're quick you've got to do some sort of evading move it was fairly straightforward i didn't have the firepower to kill it and i was kind of anticipating that given that i'm playing this on the harder mode anyway but i'll be back for that guy next time that's for sure <laughs> yeah you'll get him and uh, the last boss fight that i want to talk about um, I mentioned Luis earlier and the fact that he got got. Uh, the guy that got him was uh, Ramon Salazar. And that is the boss that you fight very shortly after Luis gets killed. So he's no longer immobile uh, in this one. He is actually like a moving entity that darts around the room. And you have like maybe uh, like a repeated figure of eight. There's two figure of eights uh, in terms of you can run around. There's an under, there's an over. There's various items in there that you can pick up. But it's essentially just a big parved arena that you need to run around avoiding him because he will chase you up and down. He'll chase you through corridors and intermittently shoot out this black goo out of his mouth. He can do like a shotgun style blast with it where it just kind of flies everywhere if you're close. He does like a concentrated blast which goes from down all the way upwards. So you need to kind of outrun that one or run to the left or right of it. And uh, this is a fight where you've just got to stay mobile for the most part. Avoid the kind of mini explosive things that he lays down in the arena as well that can trip you up and slow you down. But every time he does one of these concentrated blasts, he opens his mouth and you've got an opportunity to shoot Ramon that's hiding inside because it's this giant mutilated monster that has almost a flower head that opens up and shoots out the goo and at the center of that is uh, is Ramon so that's the weak point and you just need to shoot that a bunch of times really um, it probably took me a few goes it was pretty difficult sounds pretty difficult running yeah, around yeah. and having to keep an eye on things as well I know the mechanics are better in this game but they're still not fully mobile from what I've seen at least it's the best it's ever been I think yeah. this one actually works pretty well uh, in comparison to all of the other ones there still isn't uh, maneuverability options like a dodge that you can just pull out by pressing a button. Those are very much context sensitive. It's sensitive to context. So for the most part, during these liquid gushes and things, you just had to kind of run around them. There wasn't really a way to easily dodge them. You just had to keep moving at all times. And uh, at certain points, he would attach to the ceiling and just kind of shoot a jet down. And there was a couple places on the arena that you could hide that had a ceiling underneath them. So, I mean, it's, it's still pretty standard boss fare, but uh, I think that it's an improvement. Most of these boss fights that I've played so far actually are an improvement on the original ones in a lot of ways. That is good to hear. It sounds different enough to be interesting, but still the essence of the original fight. I did beat it. I emerged victorious. Ashley got kidnapped away by Krauser to the island, so I'm pursuing them down. And uh, yeah, I'm on my way there to hopefully rescue the president's daughter and complete the game. Might even actually find time to do that at some point during this week. Who knows? But that's about me for this week, man. Like I said, I have been kind of dabbling in a few other things as well. I think it's time that we move on to the gaming news.
So, up first in an article from the BBC, John Ricciello has resigned as chief executive of game development tool Unity following a controversial pricing change which angered gamers and developers alike. The firm wanted to charge studios every time a person installed a game using Unity's code, as we covered previously, which powers thousands of modern video games. However, the company has since rolled back most of its plans and apologised. Good. So that's probably the real reason why. I'm yeah. Unity announced Mr. Richicello was retiring from the firm effective immediately, although no reasons have been provided so far as to why he left. That sounds exactly like the Jim Ryan news from last week. (laughs) Oh, he's retired. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He didn't get his own way. He's retired. The plans announced back in September, changing how the company charged developers, provoked widespread anger amongst fans and smaller developers alike, with some threatening to stop using the technology altogether. In one case, Unity was actually forced to evacuate its San Francisco offices following a report of a death threat made on social media. Okay, that's a a little bit too far, guys. Yeah, an absolutely (laughs) stupid reaction to news like this. Exactly. Come on, guys. Richicello had clashed with the gaming community before and was forced to apologise after using crude language to describe developers who disagreed with him on monetizing their games. Maybe part of the reason for leaving was due to the highly negative reception of the intended changes to pricing for Unity. He will be replaced as interim chief exec by James Whitehurst, who previously held an executive position at IBM. IBM being the American computer technologies firm. Very nice. Another um, executive leaving their role. Seems to be uh, not a trend, but... Certainly, yeah. this is the season of reshuffles. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a term other than rats leaving the sinking ship. <laughs> I'm struggling to think of one, so I'm just gonna lay it out there. Yeah, mice leaving. <laughs> Fluffy, nice mice leaving a sinking ship. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so on with the second article of the day. Valve adds new security check after attackers compromise Steam accounts of multiple game devs and update their games with malware. Oh, so yet another. Another breach. Yeah, another breach, yeah. And uh, this one actually sounds like, once again, it's just due to sort of improperly protecting accounts. Fewer than 100 Steam users actually had the games installed, and according to Valve, they've already been notified, so you can stop panicking already. Unless, of course, you haven't checked your emails. However, Valve is adding a new SMS verification step for all developers to try to prevent it from happening again. Although this attempt to use Steam to distribute malware wasn't very effective, Valve has taken a major step to prevent it from happening again. Starting October 24th, game developers will be required to pass a two-factor authentication check before updating the default branch of a released game, which is the version that Steam will automatically deliver in an automatic update to players who actually have those enabled. So, I mean, we say that this is kind of like a, you know, a massive step forward of this article by PC Gamer, but I got to say that this is this is really just instituting two-factor authentication for all developers. It's kind of one of the most basic security <laughs> procedures that yeah. most companies have now. It's pretty much everything has two-factor just so that you can't get into an account with a password. And it seems kind of surprising, actually, that developer accounts and things are actually allowed to have that without a password. It seems like if they were to get that password leaked, Going by this article, it sounds like you could just kind of upload malware into extremely popular games if you were to get hold of that specific password for that specific developer account. Yeah, so good on Valve for catching it early and not letting it get to more than 100 people, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of a pretty expected response. 
And I would imagine the larger developers probably already did have two-factor authentication enabled. I think this is just a case of smaller developers probably with, well, likely with less reach, not having that kind of security savvy extra thinking to stick on two-factor authentication. Yeah, and so it's good now that it's compulsory and hopefully we'll never hear of anything like this again, at least not for these reasons. Yeah, but it does kind of like spark a little bit of it. Imagine if uh, someone did get hold of a, you know, like a large scale game and was able to upload malware to the update files, that would actually have pretty potentially large consequences for a large group of people. Imagine if like the Activision account got hacked and uh, Warzone was infected with some sort of malware. Yeah, but as you've just said there, the, the big companies will almost certainly have two-factor, so it probably Yeah, two-factor and probably some additional stuff exactly. as well. But hypothetically, you're right. We have heard of recent breaches from large companies as well, albeit that though that actually was due to, to lapse cybersecurity yeah. implementations, but it, it definitely has the potential to happen. And uh, it's something that I hadn't even really considered. And yet another reason in the back of my head to disable automatic updates on my games. <laughs> I think I can probably do without those, uh, given this news. Already have it disabled. According to messages sent to PC Gamer by Valve, this incident hasn't been the only attempt to gain illegitimate access to Steam partner accounts. Valve says it's seen an uptick in sophisticated attacks targeting the accounts of developers who release games on Steam. And on with our final article of the day, Mortal Kombat 1 releases a major Nintendo Switch update. Good, they really needed to. Absolutely. The highly anticipated Mortal Kombat 1 arrived on the Nintendo Switch in a very poor state. Putting it lightly. Even Ed Boon himself agreed. Fans quickly and loudly voiced their concerns about the various problems with the game, from shitty graphics to terrible performance issues. The update, released specifically for the Nintendo Switch version of the game, brings to the table an array of changes, including the addition of the first season of Mortal Kombat 1's Invasion Mode, gameplay balance adjustments, and fixes to the leaderboards. The update also addresses various visual improvements, general bug fixes, and enhances the overall performance of the game. Loading times have also reportedly been improved, and stability issues have been addressed to some degree. The article from Game Rant continues to say that furthermore, players can now access full tutorials, a general practice mode, and one specifically for those who want to practice Mortal Kombat 1's various gloriously gory fatalities. Adding to the pile, towers and tournament modes have also been enabled. Despite all of these changes, the gameplay itself has received mixed feedback, with some enjoying it while others continuing to experience issues. While the update showcases progress in various areas, including improved performance and the addition of new content, many are still not impressed with the Switch version, although fans can expect more improvements for the Switch version in future updates. I guess one of the noticeable things or bugs that was fixed, it was, apparently it was a bug, was, uh, you know, I, I referenced uh, in the article, it felt like they just turned off facial animations. Yeah. Apparently there was a bug where facial animations were just All right. turned off. So they were turned off. So so they weren't. Oh, so uh, and apparently that has been fixed in uh, in in a lot of cases. So yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure an improvement. Yeah, I mean that's definitely something, right? That what a bug not to pick <laughs> Their up. Their faces move now. Yeah, Jesus, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Hey, I mean, like at least they had faces. I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> This is good news. Very happy with the, to hear that this is a thing, and I'm sure the Switch fan base are very happy too. Don't know if I want to give them too much credit for finally getting the game in a state that it should have been on release, but good on them for addressing the problems, at least some of them. Good on them for putting in things like the invasion mode. That absolutely shouldn't have released without that. Yeah, in my mind, it just needed to have content parity with the regular console releases as well. If you can't at least manage that, then really what's the point exactly and with things like this it annoys me that there seems to be the trend now of we'll just release the game and deal with it later i'd rather the game was delayed until it was ready i understand that people have got 
targets to meet and there's budgets and things of that nature but games never used to come out not ready and it never seemed to affect anyone's bottom line right certainly not on the wide scale way that it seems to happen now regularly with AAA titles exactly and yeah i get it investor pressure and shareholders and all that lovely stuff but make sure your product's good before you put it on the market because it does turn people off if they're like a first timer into the series or something like that they play it it's some might just put it down and never pick it up again and it pisses off the hardcore fans because they got to wait longer to get the game they wanted so just delay it for a month or so and just get it right i have a feeling that this was a calculated risk by the team i feel like they know that their hardcore fans aren't the ones that are playing this on the nintendo switch and they felt like they would get away with delivering a subpar product on the Switch. There's no way that they didn't know what it was going to look like coming out on the Nintendo Switch. They wanted to ride the hype of having a full-scale release off all consoles and not delaying it to be on the Switch because they wanted to maximize sales. But I think they did this knowing that the majority of their fan base aren't going to be playing this on a portable console, and therefore they didn't really account for them as much. Good news for Switch owners, though, that this has released, I suppose. If you were unable to play it before, or you were playing it and not really enjoying it, probably worth giving it a go now and seeing what the updates fix for you. Okay, man, I think that's us rounded off for the news this week. Let's bring it round to the... A Games Challenge! So this week, if listeners will remember, James set me the challenge of completing Resident Evil 1 on hard mode using only my knife. That I did. And I I picked this because it's a game that Will knows well, at least the story in theory. There's the remake, so it doesn't know it quite as well as the originals. Um, And I was aware that it was a challenge that he'd never done before by himself, so... Take it away, man. How'd you get on? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I had a great time doing this challenge throughout the week. And if listeners want to go check it out, it is actually available on both YouTube and my Twitch channel on the video on demand section. So you can actually go check out how I got on for yourselves. But don't do that now. Finish listening. Don't do that now. Finish the pod first. Finish the pod first and then then go and watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We we see you. Don't just be going, oh, (laughs) yeah, I don't need to listen to this now. I can just go watch this. (laughs) No, listen to it and then watch. Or watch, come back, listen, and then watch it again. Exactly, yeah. Listen to it twice, watch the video twice, go back, watch some of our back catalogue, yeah. leave a like, comment, yo, yo subscribe effect. if you haven't already. You know the deal. Yeah. You know the deal. Um, So I figured I'd probably set the scene a little bit uh, off top on this. So on July 24th, 1998, when a series of bizarre murders occur on the outskirts of the fictional Midwestern town of Raccoon City, the Raccoon City's police department's STARS team are assigned to investigate. After contact with Bravo team is lost, Alpha team is sent to investigate their disappearance. Alpha team locates Bravo team's crashed helicopter and land at the site, where they are suddenly attacked by a pack of monstrous dogs, also known as Cerberuses. After Alpha team's helicopter pilot, Brad Vickers, panics and takes off alone, cowardly Brad. No! Don't go! The remaining members of the team, Chris Redfield, Jill Valentine, the character I played for this playthrough, Albert Wesker and Barry Burton are forced to seek refuge in a nearby abandoned mansion. Depending on which character the player chooses to assume control of, 
Either Barry or Chris are separated from the rest of the team during the chase and do not make it into the mansion. So in this case, it was Chris who went missing because I chose Jill, who was assisted by Barry throughout the playthrough. And that bastard Wesker does nothing. I wonder why. He, he disappears pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah very mysteriously and suddenly disappears. I wonder if he comes back as the boss of one of the games later. <laughs> you guys go over there for a bit and do some stuff while I check out here. I'll just wait around here and do nothing. And just don't worry, I'll be here when you get back. Then I'm certainly not doing anything evil. So shortly after that, the team decides to investigate the mansion to search for their missing team member. Throughout the game, our chosen character and their team uncover a nationwide conspiracy of unthinkable acts that ultimately results in a citywide zombie outbreak caused by a pharmaceutical company known as Umbrella. So I won't really go too much into the story at that point, and I probably won't cover too much of the story in relation to this game's challenge, because I gotta admit, I was kind of skipping wherever possible the cutscenes. This was a, a kind of like a challenge-based run. I was there to do one thing and one thing only, which was to complete the game with my knife only. Exactly, it's not completionist corner, guys. We ain't completioning over here, although I did, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say it now, I passed the challenge! Oh, congratulations, my boy. Congratulations. So I did complete the game, I'm very pleased to say. Very nice. Kind of came out of nowhere that announcement there. I kind of hadn't quite decided it in my mind where I was going to drop that, so I just kind of did it off the cuff. There you go. Kill any suspense, and now the people that were going <laughs> to listen before they checked out your playthrough are just going to be like, oh, f*** it. We'll do neither now. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get into some of the details now yeah. to uh, uh, make it kind of uh, worthwhile for some of the exactly. listeners. Talk but... to me. Tell me how you got on. What, what were the initial challenges you found? Uh, things of that nature. Go for it. So initial challenges in the game were absolutely just dealing with the fact that the knife is completely useless in the game. You call that a knife? This is a knife. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. It takes so, so many hits to defeat a single zombie. A single regular zombie in the game. How many hits are we talking? Like 15, 20 or? Yeah, kind of around that number or more. Um, it, yeah, more in a lot of cases as well because certain zombies just have weird longer health oh, yeah. bars, I think. If it's 15 to 20 on this sort of standard mob zombie, then f***ing hell, on some of the elites, it's going to be 40 plus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just completely undoable. And what I discovered very quickly early on, actually, is that outside of the boss fights and the bits where I actually needed to clinch the kill, I might as well just have not had the knife in my inventory because I didn't waste any time trying to knife the zombies that I wasn't going to be able to kill. And the knife doesn't really serve any purpose. You can't reliably stagger with it. So honestly, it might as well not be in your inventory until you actually need to use it. <laughs> Which actually really stood in my favour throughout this playthrough. And there were definitely certain points where I abandoned it altogether. Well, so you were just running through nothing, just unequipped. Just running through with nothing other than kind of the, the key story items that I needed and healing items as well. Fair. Because I very quickly discovered that you just need to avoid the zombies and juke them as much as you can to get by. Stopping to knife them is just completely undoable there are some parts in the game where it will allow you to do that with a slightly wider corridor so you can just run around them you can kind of trick them to face one way and then run around them that's pretty effective but there are obviously other encounters where they just stick you in a very thin corridor or a way that there's no means of escape other than going through the zombie and in those types of situations, you need to do a technique where you edge towards them. And this is not possible to do with tank control. So I actually spent <laughs> the majority of my time playing through in this in kind of 360 joystick controls, which was very good in terms of changing direction quickly. So it made it very effective at running up to the zombie just within fingertip reach and then running back and they kind of do a lunge. Yeah, yeah, and then you can get past them. As they do a lunge, you can run past them. Yeah, nice. exactly. And also there's other certain techniques you can use. Like if they try and meet you on a set of stairs, they change from their lunge attack. They go into a kind of spewing acid out their mouth attack. 
which takes a little longer to come out and it doesn't grab you from a distance. So if you time that right, you can kind of lure them to the stairs and then run past them. And they do that within a range that's very predictable. It's not like the grab because I did encounter certain scenarios where that zombie just was not grabbing and it would back me into a corner to the point where I had no room to retreat and then it would just grab me once I was pinned. So uh, that was something that happened every so often (laughs) that you just had to kind of deal with. That was the main challenge really, was just learning how to deal with all the different zombie behaviors and figuring out certain rooms the most optimal way of running around them typically if a zombie has its back turned to you the animation that it takes to do a 180 and try and grab from behind is long enough that you can run by them without impeding yourself nice useful tip useful strat as well probably served you very well yeah i had to learn these very early on and shout out to uh bark basoup on uh, on twitch and youtube as well he was my guide for a lot of the initial zombie strats that i had just using some of his gameplay footage and funnily enough it was his first knife only run on the game as well so it probably wasn't kind of optimal but he knows enough about the game he's a super experienced x speed runner for the series so he knew what was up that badass did this thing in like two hours 40 or something like that um you could probably do it much faster and he was like stopping to just talk to the chat (laughs) so he could have done it way faster than uh than he actually turned it around in as you said that how quick was your run my run uh so all in all and this was uh, because a lot of the time there was multiple deaths i did have a death counter during this run so um i reset on this game 26 times uh which is a lot for a resident evil one i've got to say yeah, but solid for a knife which made me <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah 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 i mean typically on a on a game that i'm familiar with like this maybe five six times tops um, on a run that I would expect to get. So 26 felt like a hell of a lot. Um, a lot of those were based around just very specific bits where I died over and over again too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into those a little bit later. But the run, all in all, took me six hours. Although I will say that combined sort of all of that time streaming, that was about 12 hours all in all. Oh, wow. Because there were a lot of deaths. Uh, there were a lot of losing progress, uh, going back to previous save files, uh, trying to optimize my run. This was kind of a game where I would, uh, I would sort of set a save file if I made a good amount of progress but if I wasn't happy with the amount of healing items that I'd carry through from the previous boss in some cases I'd reset a couple saves back knowing how to beat the boss that time with a certain technique and then kind of carrying all those healing items through makes sense if you can call it save scumming this is about as close as you can get to save scumming from Resident Evil Uh, I think that's checkpoints yeah yeah yeah. manual checkpoints you're intended to do it they intend to give you that amount of ink ribbons for you to use them although on a typical playthrough i probably only use maybe five to six ink ribbons on a kind of a resident evil one playthrough anyway what i will say though man is uh this challenge was hard and it wasn't because of the zombies it was more because of things like the crimson heads in the games they're zombies that typically you've managed to kill in the game or zombies that have been lying on the floor dead since the start of the game at a certain point there's a trigger for them to upgrade and they suddenly become able to run around chase after you and they have sharp claws that do a lot more damage whilst also still being able to grab you so they're just kind of an upgraded fast moving zombie really compared to the regular slow shambling zombies that resident evil 1 typically has which when you're not playing with weapons and want to save all your health items probably isn't what you want to be saying and given the fact that i was playing jill who has less health than chris and does less knife damage than chris and as part of this challenge i kind of wanted to add a few extra dimensions of difficulty to this myself so there is an achievement on there called the cqc for the win achievement which requires you to play through the game without using any defensive items or using the oil tanks in the game 
or stomping on zombie heads. Which, at least in the case of the escape items or recovery items, I did say was okay. You did. You did specify, so, but I wanted to add an extra yeah. layer there. And I'm pleased to say that I did actually manage to scrape through that achievement as well. So going through that, with the defensive items, it would have meant that I didn't get grabbed as much, which would have made it a lot easier. I also couldn't use the oil tank in the game, which meant that I couldn't prevent zombies from turning into crimson heads. That wasn't as much of a problem as I was thinking it was going to be because of the fact that I didn't kill very many zombies or I didn't kill any zombies apart from maybe one. <laughs> At that point, it really wasn't a problem because there's maybe one or two crimson heads that you experience in the game that are just preset there. But other than that, uh, yeah, I got away relatively unscathed from those. The game also really kind of picks up in difficulty towards the second half. The zombies get replaced by hunters. So the hunters are what you get when you mix together lizard DNA and human DNA with the T-virus. And they're kind of like a scaly humanoid thing, although uh, they're kind of very squat. Uh, they look a bit like a large frog with very sharp claws that's capable of standing on its hind legs and running and jumping at very high speeds. They're kind of like a mixture of the Cerberus in the game, which are the kind of the runny dogs, except that they're way more deadly and they do have a special move where they can kind of do a jump and a slash, which is capable of beheading you if you're at low health. And they're also very agile. They can do stuff that zombies can't do. Like, for instance, if you're running around one on a staircase, and this costs me quite a few deaths in the playthrough, I think it probably will be around part two or three of the uh, the Twitch streams, you'll see that I was struggling with one hunter in particular. I was able to get past him, start running up the stairs, at which point he just jumped from the ground floor to halfway up the staircase and stood in front of me again. <laughs> so uh, at that point, you're kind nice. of just stuck um, in that room, really. There's not really much you can do there. So I think that cost me kind of just a small handful of quick succession deaths as well towards the end. Sounds like unlucky RNG, though. Yeah, and, and actually that plays a huge amount of the way into this game in terms of how successful your run's going to be, certainly for how fast your run's going to be anyway. Because of things like the fact that zombies can sometimes decide to not lunge at you and then trap you in a corner and grab you. Or well, sometimes zombies will try to grab you, which you can then juke, and then immediately afterwards they'll try and grab you again, which they don't often do, yeah. but it does just sometimes happen. So yeah, there is definitely RNG in here, yeah, absolutely, exactly. in terms of the way that certain enemies behave. Zombies don't really behave predictably either sometimes. You can walk into a room sometimes and the zombie's like weirdly kind of wandering into a wall looking around. Then you come back in the next time and he's like facing you dead on, you know, kind of staring you down. So yeah, yeah. there's all sorts of weirdness that can go on that can even be affected by just the fact that you walk into the room and then don't do anything for five seconds sometimes that can kind of make it easier for wandering zombies to wander off in the wrong direction because they are guided towards you by the sound of footsteps in the game so there is that to take into account as well you can kind of trick zombies and make rooms easier by sometimes pausing or by sometimes if you're running down a long corridor you can quickly nip into another room which deloads the corridor and then you can go back into the corridor and it's essentially reset it back to where the zombies spawn which makes it easier to traverse right there is loads and loads of techniques that i had to kind of get down and understand and kind of like had a better understanding of how the game works by the end of this as well just in order to try and scavenge enough health packs to get through all of the main mobs in the game as well as the bosses which i think it's about time that we got onto now i was gonna say yeah i figured this run would be more of a boss rush style run because i i thought you'd probably be yeah. running past most things even more so when you said at the start 15 to 20 hits per standard mob and like i said it does seem to be pretty random in terms of how you stagger them as well a knife swing isn't a guaranteed stagger by any means and even several knife swings 
things doesn't really feel like you're building towards a stagger either so yeah i think that it's just kind of luck of the draw or at least it's so rare that it happens that it feels like luck of the draw i mean i, I can't insist enough that if anyone's thinking about getting into the resident evil titles like do not think that this is going to be a fun game to get into for a little knife only playthrough like <laughs> this isn't that the knife is an absolute jip and you should only uh, be prepared to do a knife only run if you're either familiar with the games or you're a glutton for punishment i'll be honest <laughs> so um as i mentioned let's get on to the bosses um i'll take them through in order so yawn is a, a very strange name for the first boss in the game which is just a giant snake and i can only assume that uh it's just a t-virus mixed with snake dna yeah a big mouth is that why it's called yawn yeah i guess so yeah i mean yeah. snakes do yawn i guess they open their yeah. mouths and yawn. I've, I've seen a snake yawn before. So, yeah, you just yeah. have a pet snake. Shouts to Tiger, rest in peace. Sometimes they kind of do that to like size up the prey that they want to eat as well. They kind of do it to be like, mm, can I can I put that in? I think I can put that in. So the initial yawn uh, in this fight is pretty straightforward, actually. Although I didn't save one of my buddies at the start of this, so I didn't have him running in to help me out. But because I didn't help out my buddy, he didn't come save me halfway through the boss fight. So this was one where actually you don't really need to engage with. It's not the true boss fight. There is another yawn fight down the way. So in this instance, I just kind of ran in, grabbed the item that I needed and ran out again. I think it is possible to actually defeat him in that fight. However, um, the moment I found out that door wasn't locked, I was out of there. <laughs> there was no <laughs> way I was going to uh, stick fun. around and try and knife it. I was going to save that challenge for later. If you kill him in the first fight, do you have the second fight? Yeah, if you kill him in the first fight, he just runs off. Oh, right. So you don't actually kill him? No, no, no. Yeah, okay, you just beat him. Yeah. Nice. So it sounds like you got a quick getaway. Nice and easy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that gave me the final key item that I needed to progress the last bit of the puzzle. The main first boss of the game, the one that you actually need to be, you're locked in and you have to be him, also happens to be what I want to say is the most challenging boss fight in the entire game. I was going to say, off pod, uh, you did tell me that this was the one that you were probably the most worried about. Yeah, yeah. Because we had the conversation that it's good that it's near the start of the game because at least you can reset and there's not too much challenge and you came with the counterpoint. Yeah, that's true, but it also means I've got finite resources before this fight. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly that. And also it's going to be super embarrassing if I die to this guy and the only boss that I had prior to that one I could have actually just run away from. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> the challenge ended here. I had one boss fight I could have won and I ran. That's what uh, chat was telling me while I was playing through the game. I was asking like, what do you think? How do you think I'm going to do on this? And uh, I was getting messages uh, from Liam saying that this is the end of the run right here. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. Like, did you die a lot to this guy? Was this most of your death count? No, it wasn't most of my death count, but it definitely made me reset in terms of this was my first big step back where I needed to go, right, I just don't have enough healing items for this. Oh, wow. Time to, time to hit it back and go, you know, from a significantly earlier on in the game and try and stockpile and use everything I've learned so far. I just wasn't able to do it with so few healing items. I think I first came into it with two full healing items, and it just wasn't right. enough. I think I needed to come in with almost an entirely full inventory. So that's all eight slots? It's eight slots, but the other thing to this challenge is that you need four death masks that you need to put in place before this boss will trigger. So oh, I was right. faced with this difficulty where I needed to go there. I couldn't go there with a full inventory of healing items unless I went there, placed three of the death masks, came all the way back got all of my healing items that i needed and then placed right. the fourth and final death mask to trigger the boss fight and then obviously you've just got that one empty inventory slot yeah but so you still max is seven basically six i think it was six because i still have my knife in my inventory as oh, well of course the um, knife yeah, yeah and five or six healing items i needed and i needed yeah. them all i'll tell you wow. when i finally beat him it was 
such a great moment. Uh, like even watching it back for me, I was like really happy with uh, with how I did. But I was down to uh, danger, health, which is the worst situation you can be in, and finally managed to do it. But I had no healing items left, so I kind of shot myself in the foot there. Yeah, that was a very very tough boss fight, and I came very very close to just doing a full reset at that point, just oh, to wow. see that if I could do it better. <laughs> see if I could make it through, but I was able to pull through, I think, on that save. And what makes it tough? What's the fight like? It's an Elder Crimson head, which is a fast-moving zombie with claws, as I mentioned earlier. But this guy just does, I think he does more damage. He has various different moves, including a grab, and he has a bunch, bunch more health than a regular zombie or crimson head in the game. The technique is essentially just running around in circles and trying to get him to just follow you around in a circle and you end up kind of chasing him, but you need to bait him into doing a certain kind of attack. He does a front grab, which is no good, but he does a forward swing with one of his arms. And whenever he does that, there's usually a window that you can run around behind him, aim down and stab him. And the reason why you aim down and stab, I think, is because aiming down and stabbing is faster than aiming forward and stabbing. So you might have a window for getting another one off, or you might give yourself just that kind of half a second longer to run away before he turns around and spanks you again. Fair. He also has a move where he kind of does a 180 and swings behind him. As I mentioned earlier, if you stand behind a zombie, their swinging around grabbing animation is slow enough that they don't usually hit. But this guy has a kind of reach around... What, yo, I safe? Kind of like a reach around slashing motion that gets you nine times out of ten unless you're very lucky. Always got to watch out for those reach arounds. You got to watch out for the reach arounds, always. And in that case, you're pretty much screwed because you're just going to take the hit in this. So this was one where I went into it knowing that there was no chance really of saving too many healing items. I might have a better chance of coming away with one healing item after a couple practice goes. But I really wasn't counting on taking anything through into the future boss fights. And I was just praying at that point that the game dropped me a few health items following that fight. And thankfully it did. (laughs) That's good. Very good in the game. Shortly after you've left the mansion, you access a kind of a residence area that you can go to, and you find this character called Lisa Trevor, who is looks like a very skinny monstrosity with a hunchback. She's kind of got everything covered in sack. Looks very much like a Silent Hill type enemy rather than a Resident Evil enemy. Covered in sack. Yeah, like a kind of like a khaki sack. Like burlap sack. Clearly looks very freaky and mutilated underneath there. Turns out that Lisa was actually a superhuman that has very powerful regenerative abilities who Umbrella kidnapped as a child and experimented on because they were using her to help develop their virus and something called the Progenitor Project. All-round lovely person. Yeah, well, yeah, just essentially like a maddened, traumatised being that uh, definitely isn't too keen on Jill wandering around looking at her stuff in her cabin. Fair enough. In this encounter, you kind of see her end to the cabin you get bonked on the head and just wake up somewhere else so there really isn't all that much you can do i think you can have a bit of a fight with her but there's not really much going on there it's scripted yeah, to do yeah. That then. later on in the game we have another kind of a mini boss fight where you fight neptune which is actually a giant shark so again it's you know pretty pretty self-explanatory they just jammed a bunch of t-virus in a shark and saw what happens it's science well turns out it makes a giant shark much like it made a giant snake it also made a giant shark yeah, shouts to the giant alligator in Resident Evil 2. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, they kind of kept that theme going. There's quite a few animal-themed uh, T-virus creations. And even from like the last Plagas Resident Evil stuff, I think in Resident Evil 5, they have like a giant bat enemy as well. And shouts to the late monster. There's a giant moth enemy, I think, in Resident Evil 0 as well. They went all over the place. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, fair play. So it's a pretty kind of like pre-established theme that there are plenty of different yeah. animal kind of variants of the, uh, the viruses that are created. Yeah, and if there's virus, 
viruses, it would happen, wouldn't it? It just would. Neptune's really cool. He has kind of gills traveling down the entire length of his body, which I think is a cool thing. Like it looks like hyper efficient in terms of breathing or whatever. And he's got loads and loads of cuts and gouges and scars along the entirety of his body as well. So just looks very kind of grizzled, like an absolutely giant megalodon or something. Nice. And there's a pretty suspenseful moment as you're traveling through, because at this point you've gone into an underground lab. You're well past the residence at this point, and you're trying to solve some puzzles down there. And he actually hits the glass. You're kind of staring out into a giant flooded testing area, and he hits the glass and you need to run around flicking switches to make the shutters come down and protect you. Eventually you're actually able to drain the room of pretty much all of its water, so the boss fight becomes fairly anticlimactic at this point. You're never really pursued by him. There is a section very earlier on in the game where you get some smaller sharks pursue you, and if you hang around for long enough, then you will see Neptune jump and try and get on one of the sides and attack you, but it's very easy to avoid, so that doesn't really feel like you're fighting the boss at that point. You're just running around, and if you hang around for too long, he'll eat you. And whilst that's ongoing, are you just on sort of walkways and stuff, or are you paddling? You're on kind of walkways with waist-high water, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of one of those situations, like a flooded room, but you're on the upper level of it, so you're not completely submerged. But you do eventually manage to drain the entire room, so you've just got like knee-level water on the ground level, at which point Neptune is unable to swim, and you assume he dies. And I assumed he died at that point. He didn't really seem to be moving or doing much of anything. Oh yeah, sharks can't breathe without water, famously. But it's just a weird situation where he was kind of lying there not really doing anything. And this feels a little sadistic on Jill's part. You kind of wade your way through the water, you find an electrical panel, you charge it with electricity, and then push it into the water to fry him. Oh, wow. (laughs) Add uh, insults or injury. This was something that took me a couple goes to get on my playthrough uh, on the stream because I was confused why I had to do anything. He was just kind of standing there not doing anything. Um, And it wasn't until I kind of jammed myself in a corner that the cutscene activated where he kind of tried to bite me and then I figured out what I needed to do. Right. So again, like, uh, this is a lot sounding like the last couple of boss fights haven't really been very knife-heavy at all. They're kind of more like puzzle gimmick bosses sort of things. Or fights, to be honest with you. No, not very fighty at all. The four bosses you've mentioned so far, you've run away from one, one you didn't have to fight because you drained its water, one you literally got bonked on the head, and one you fought. Yeah, I've had one one proper fight fight so far, and let me tell you, that was a proper fight. I could kind of do with a couple gimmick bosses after that, honestly. That's fair. But I will say that the next boss fight also continues in the same vein, which is Plant 42. Now, there would have been a way to legitimately fight this boss um, if I decided to not mix a special chemical called the V-Jolt. There is a puzzle in this game where if you acquire enough chemicals, mix them with water in a specific order, you can apply a chemical onto the roots of this plant that is growing in one of the residences. And the roots are actually, coincidentally, back down in the place where Neptune was located. So they've gone really deep underground, But if you splash this V-Jolt chemical on it, when you approach that room, the plant just kind of suddenly shrivels up and dies, and then Barry runs in and just flamethrowers it to finish it off. Honestly, I didn't think that that bypassed the boss fight entirely. And you'll actually see if you watch it on the stream. I did save my game beforehand, like preparing to have a certain boss fight, just thinking that it was going to be weakened. But when I walked yeah. in and it just shriveled a Barry around in the flame for a hot, nice. Okay, we're making good progress here. Good time save. What I will say is that's kind of the last boss fight where there wasn't much of a challenge outside of doing the gimmick involved. 
I mean, I, I could have made some of these boss fights harder for myself had I not done the gimmick. But um, again, you've got to take every opportunity you can get in a knife-only run. And I knew we weren't done with the difficult boss fights. Well, and also the fact is that, yeah, sure, you did the gimmick, but that means there's more risk because you're running around presumably collecting things to do said gimmick. Yeah, absolutely. Which is going to impact your health items and things like that. It's all a measured risk thing, for sure. Yeah, you've got to, exactly. got to think about what you're going to be able to take in. But we finally come round to a boss uh, called Black Tiger, who is actually back to another proper knife fight. James, take a guess at what boss Black Tiger is. Is it a Black Tiger, Will? No, you stupid idiot. It's a spider. <laughs> it's just a giant spider. <laughs> it wasn't going to be a Black Tiger, It was, was never going to be a Black Tiger. Why it's a spider, yeah. I don't know. But it is. It is a giant spider. Is that, is that a translation thing? <laughs> I what's the Japanese for tiger and what's the Japanese for spider? <laughs> what's the Japanese for black? We need to, we'll break this all down. We'll find this out later off pod maybe. But this was a, uh, a fight that it wasn't a difficult one, I will say, because he was very quick to outmaneuver. And you get stuck in a room where there is a locked door. You have to fight a giant spider. And by giant, I mean like a giant, giant one, because there are also regular giant spiders in this game that are the size of like... A very, very large dog. But then you've also got like the giant, giant spider, which is the size of four very large horses, if you follow my metric. Maybe yeah. even bigger. You've got the Skyrim spider on one hand, and then you've got fing Shelob on the other. Yeah, yes, right. Perfect example. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you, James. That's much better metrics. So, uh, fighting that boss, it was just a case of circling it and trying to avoid getting poison from the spider that was crawling around on the ceiling. But it really wasn't too difficult because as long as you kept moving, which you had to do anyway to avoid the spider turning around to face you, you wouldn't be in the position to get acided on or poisoned by the ceiling spider pretty straightforward boss fight following all of the mechanics that i learned before stabbing downwards getting the quick attacks and not getting greedy one stab at maximum and then run yeah. then one stab took a while but i did it booty slapping all from behind absolutely that big old juicy spider booty <laughs> So after defeating the spider, we emerge back from the research lab and we head back to the mansion again, just in time to fight Yawn in his final form. Final form? Oh, has he switched out then? Well, no, I mean, he's just, he's just <laughs> appeared again in a library doing the same yeah. shit, you know. Looking more pissed, baby. Looking much more pissed and with a lot more room to move around uh, in this boss fight room as well. Right. There's a couple of different ways you can do this and he has a couple of different attacks. He has an attack where he just slivers with his head flat on the floor and he'll just do a kind of like a large sweeping bite forward, which is pretty quick to come out. He also has another mode where he'll kind of stand up on his head like a cobra and sliver around. At that point, he does a much heavier damage attack where his kind of head is in the air and he'll kind of swoop down and knock you over. And he also has uh, a wider reach on that as well. So you have to be careful where you stand. Yeah. But being a snake and the fact that he's programmed kind of to operate a bit like that old mobile game snake, where his body has <laughs> to follow a specific route. Right. It's very easy to predict where he's going to be. And it's very easy to stay in his back portion while being able to follow him. Because as long as you stay by his tail, it's unlikely unless he does a complete curl around on himself that his head's going to be anywhere near you so you yeah. need to kind of bait him into moving in specific ways and get the stabs whilst hanging around his tail so once again booty slapping away to victory always yeah pretty much all of the boss fights in this are always going to be booty slaps because uh you got to stab down and uh you got to stab from behind stabbing in front is just going to get you bitten <laughs> so life lesson for all you fellas out there <laughs> Thankfully, though, uh, this version of Yawn doesn't seem to have a poisonous bite anymore, so this really is just a health-consuming oh. uh, fight. Okay, that's kind of odd. Yeah, I think that it's probably due to the fact that um, 
given the fact that you're locked in that room, there is a chance for you to just get poisoned and not have enough poison items, even after defeating it, to survive. Yeah. So you would encounter scenarios where you could win the fight, but you're still poisoned. You don't have any blue herbs to heal you, so you're just going to die and have to redo the fight right. again. I guess that makes sense, yeah. But I decided to play this one very, very carefully. That was the kind of the risky strategy, which is staying close to him, stabbing him in the neck, stabbing him in the tail and running around. But at that point, he will be hitting you. Thankfully, there is a fairly long bookcase that you can make him run circles around. And if you're very fast and you're able to keep up with him, you can kind of consistently stab him in the tail. And then by the time he's turned around, you can run behind the bookcase and bait him around the other way. It takes like five, six times as long as just getting those stabs consistently in. But at that point in the game, I knew we were roughly around the halfway point and I figured oh we were probably about two thirds of the way through at that point and I figured that's really good time to be conserving as many healing items as possible Yeah, I did do the boss fight I did it and didn't have any healing items but I didn't even bother to pursue that I think I was just like do you know what I'm just going to go back and do that again I know I've got this fight if I do it consistently I was feeling a lot more confident about the yawn fight than the Crimson Head Elder fight well by then you've warmed up You, you know what your strats are you know what you're doing you've got your movements a bit more sorted and to be honest with that strat with the bookcase it sounds like in theory if you're patient enough and sensible you could just no hit this yes i think so you've got to be really patient and you've got to still keep on accounting for rng because sometimes there are times when you can get away with two hits but then you hit a bad bit of luck and he'll turn around immediately and get you it really comes down to patience it's very much just the patience run that one if you do it that way there's obviously much more skill involved in trying to chase him around but i wasn't ready to sacrifice those green herbs just yet that's fair the next boss fight on the menu is not really Really a knife fight. This is the Lisa Trevor 2 fight. And at this point in the game, she is running around in the arena. You can fight her with your knife, but as I explained before, she's kind of a superhuman who's also been souped up by Umbrella Research as well. So a knife, a gun, all of these things are very ineffective against her. I don't even know where it's actually possible to defeat her with bullets in this game. The trick for this boss fight is to essentially shift, I think, four or five different weighted stones off of a platform whilst she pursues you around. And it's quite a tight battle arena and she is quite agile she can jump yeah. around uh, and hit you you can probably make this easier by using weapons to slow her down and to stagger her this was very much a case of just needing to bait her as far away from possible from the stone that i intended on using and then running over there and hoping she got confused yeah after you knock all of these stones off it lifts up a tomb and i think the remains of her mother is inside and she kind of like just picks up the skull from the tomb and then jumps off the ledge killing herself don't really know what that's about But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very much like video games. Very convenient. Yeah, just, <laughs> so yeah, cool. How are you going to beat the superhuman? She'll kill herself. So with that relatively simple boss fight out of the way, we finally progressed onto pretty much the final boss fight of the game. So at this point, the secret's out. Wesker has betrayed you. No, I never saw that shit coming. He's hoping to bury the Stars Squad, and he's all with his ultimate goal of creating the ultimate form, the next phase in humanity. Or the next phase of evolution, at least. Yeah, shout-outs to Liza P. All right, they do a bit of that and that. Yeah, it's quite tropey sort of thing, yeah. It's cool, though. I love the sh- The ultimate thing the next day. I mean, like, isn't um the vampires in Code Vein? Yeah, exactly. They were on that vibe as well, right? Yeah. Well, uh, Mido, uh, was that the name? Yeah. Mido? Yeah, Juzo Mido yeah. was just like, yes, I want to bring about natural selection, motherfucker. 
So as we get through the lab, we confront Wesker, and he, in pretty short order, gets impaled through the chest by the Tyrant, which is the final boss in the game, which is like a a large, tall, Promethean, hulking, human-looking person with a large, sharp claw hand as well that he uses to very good effect, or at least he would do if he had any ability to do a proper turning circle. (laughs) Because he does a very, very slow 180 turnaround. He did get me, I think, twice with some pretty good moves, and he does a lot of damage when he does them so it caught me off guard but i did manage to get into this pretty good rhythm on my second or third attempt where i kept on going behind him and stabbing him in the back and the time that it takes him to reorient himself you're already around behind him yeah yeah the main difficulty with this boss fight was the camera angles and actually i was having a lot of difficulty with the camera angles here because as i mentioned before i kind of abandoned tank controls in this game which would have made the camera angles a lot more bearable because you're pressing in one direction and that character is always going in that one direction relative to where they're facing so when the camera angle changes just because you're pressing up they're just going to be going forward regardless of where they're facing rather than you press up and they're traveling north on the screen but then the camera angle changes and what was north is now west so if you suddenly press up again you're now traveling again just upwards on the screen in a completely different direction yeah because for those that don't know resident evil just switches the camera angle every time you go into a new corridor a new side of a room like it just goes a bit all over the place it's built for tank controls is the thing so implementing this 360 thing it was necessary to do for all of the duking that was involved and particularly for the boss fights like this and the crimson head elder where i needed to kind of just consistently run in circles and get behind them quickly however it was very difficult to do this boss fight until i figured out that right camera angle that was the challenge here was just what is the point in the room that has the biggest amount of ground space that i can cover without the camera angle changing yeah yeah. once i found that and once i'd figured out his attacks this one was not too bad either so managed to finally get through that the rest of the game was mostly just kind of avoiding monsters until the very end There is a second Tyrant boss fight. However, that only activates if you save Chris and Barry. Uh, I did neither in this playthrough. In fact, (laughs) I actively sacrificed Barry just before the Lisa Trevor 2 boss fight where he offers to help you. I actually, I took his gun and then he got knocked off the edge by Lisa because at this point, the game kind of leads you to believe that Barry is being very suspicious and he's kind of the mastermind behind it. Of course, it turns out to be Wesker and Barry was just being controlled by Wesker. Wesker had Barry's wife and kids. Yeah, yeah. locked away somewhere or something like that but Barry turns out not to be the bad guy but I didn't even realise that this Tyrant 2 fight wasn't going to trigger if I didn't rescue them too I just knew that I was probably getting the bad ending on this knife only run regardless and I was quite surprised when I found myself running out to the helipad placing the homing beaker on and I got picked up in a helicopter credits rolled Jill you did a fine job nice This definitely, definitely wasn't an easy challenge. When I consider a regular performance for this game, I would probably say this game takes me around five to six hours to complete with maybe around five to six continues. So going from that to 12 hours with 26 continues, I think that's pretty significant on a game that I've been playing since I was about eight or nine years old. (laughs) Revamped, I will say, you know, and with a few tweaks and things here and there. This was a really fun time to play, but I was not anticipating going into this with quite as much challenge as I did. 
I had to do a lot of research to get this right as well. I say it took me 12 hours to get from start to finish with all the streaming involved. Add on maybe like another three to four hours of just researching and figuring out what I actually needed to do, figuring out which rooms were the best ones to go to and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Routing, all that good stuff. Definitely needed to do some research though. More than I anticipated given my familiarity with the game. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That was the idea. Sounds like you've had a blast. You succeeded, which is always great. Three all. You've drawn it level. Drawn it level for another week. Very good. Very good. Well, suppose I'd better get around to giving you your challenge for this week. See if he can sneak back ahead. James, your challenge this week is... To beat my custom character in Smash Bros. Okay. This week, I would like you to pick a character. It can be a custom character, if you'd like. We'll meet up before the pod, and we'll carry out the challenge. So the results of next week's challenge will be really hot off the press when we do reveal them. But that is my challenge to you this week, sir. We are going to be playing on Omega Arenas, which I believe are the flat, non-platformed arenas. We're not going to have loads of obstacles and arena shambles to go around. No items. Free stocks. Best of three. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's quite cool, that. Yeah, I think that it's uh, it'll be a fairly blank canvas. I don't want to kind of introduce too many outside elements like the star power-ups and things, which are just instant KOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to kind of add too much randomness into the mix. A nice clean arena. Our characters of choice. Mano y Mano. Mano y Mano. May the best man win. No, very good. Nice challenge. I like it. I like it. This will be fun for me. Good luck to you. Do you have any characters that you think you might uh, you might lean on particularly? Or do you have anyone in mind? Did you have anyone that you previously played? Yes, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> not even for pod reasons? No, not no. even for pod reasons, no. Because then you will you could look up tactics how to stop them. Yes, I do have some characters in mind that I could use. I might look at creating my own, though, so that it's sort of my character versus your character, because I think that's a cool narrative. What I will say, when I played it on N64 back in the day, my mains were Captain Falcon, Donkey Kong, Mario slash Luigi, depending on who I was fancying and when i've played the small amount of melee that i did i used ganondorf even though he's basically a captain falcon clone so those are probably in the mix when i last played ultima i was using everyone because i was trying to unlock all the characters and things like that and i feel like i had good times with some pretty random ones like sonic i had a really good time with um so yeah i don't know who i'm going to use so it's going to be fun for me sort of picking who i'm going to be and things like that presumably i'm not allowed to change characters halfway through yeah, no, absolutely. If you want to change between matches, absolutely, yeah. That's an interesting tactical switch up I could do. One person's moveset not working, then someone else's might. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of things to play with here. Like it. I'll have to delete some games so I can install it. <laughs> well, get yourself ready, man, because we'll have a Battle of the Ages next Friday. Okay, Donny, thanks for the help again for another week. We'll see you next time. Okay, so with all that said, man, I think one last time for the people in the back, let's crack on with the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pop Mode, or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPF.
And you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And with a final humble request to our loyal listeners, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also like each episode wherever you can get them, on the YouTubes, on the Spotify. So you can even leave comments on Spotify episodes now as well. Okay. Need to uh, need to look into that a little bit more. But anyway, yeah, all of that engagement is hugely appreciated, people. And, uh, you know, it'd be great to get an idea of what people are hoping to see from us in the future as well. Don't feel shy. And if there's something that you'd like to see or something you'd like us to play, feel free to get in touch yeah it's the best way to support the channel so we'd love to hear from you and with all that said man i think it's time we wound down this episode thanks for joining me again thank you to the listeners for listening once again and we'll see you guys next week until then goodbye